You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks, and welcome to episode 52 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bushots, and this is the show for December 2017, even though it's being recorded in January 2018, because that's just how we roll here, although usually it doesn't feel like there's a year between shows. Anyway, despite being a um, holiday season, uh, there was a lot of Apple news last December, so I'm going to introduce my fabulous panel and get stuck in. Joining me for the first time in a while, we have the wonderful Chuck Joyner from Mac Voices. Hi, Chuck. Hey, Bart. Happy New Year. Thank you very much, Chuck. The same to you. Thank you. Uh, from the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, and indeed the other side of the Irish Sea, we're joined by Gazmaz from the MyMac podcast. Hi, Gaz. Uh, good evening, Bart. I'm looking forward to a meteor shower tonight. Are you? Oh, uh, Apparently so, yes. Oh, you're right. No, it is the third into the fourth. You're right. It's the quadranted meteor shower. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Happy New Year to you. <laughs> Same to you. How is your weather? I, I've just been out cycling it, and our weather is awful. Uh, cloudy clear, cloudy clear, cloudy clear. So I'm hoping I get a clear patch. Best of luck. Um, <laughs> the moon is fairly full, though, so that's going to drown things out yes. a bit. Yes. Anyway, still, hopefully you see a few. There's a bit of fun. Um, I believe they're the highest in number for the year, if I'm remembering. I believe so, yes. I believe so. But they tend to be quite dim on average. Anyway, that's enough for this week in astronomy. Uh, finally, we are also joined by Linda. Hi, Linda Goucher. Hi, Linda. Hi, Bart. Um, it is gloomy and rainy in Silicon Valley. Our temperature is probably a little higher than anybody anybody else on the on the podcast, but it's definitely gloomy and rainy. That's not right. There's something wrong with the universe. It's supposed to be the sunshine state for you guys. Yes, well, sometimes. Not now. Not now. At least you're not on fire. That's also an advantage. <laughs> right. Right, the rain helps make that go away. So. Okay, well, before we get stuck into some new Apple news, I just have a few sort of follow-ups on things we've been talking about over the last couple of episodes. Uh, so we talked before about the fact that Amazon and Apple were having a bit of a, a bit of a tiff, mainly instigated by Amazon, who decided to stop selling uh, Apple TVs and to whine about the fact that there was no Amazon Prime app on the Apple TV, even though Apple have this thing called a public API where anyone can write an app and submit it. But anyway, that was all a bit stupid and weird. Um, and then at the last Apple keynote, Apple sort of said that they had come to detente with Amazon and that you know by the end of the year it was all going to be grand. And lo and behold, the end of the year has been and gone, and things seem pretty much grand. So uh, Amazon Prime has come to the app, to Apple TVs as an app in over 100 countries. It even went on to the old uh, Series 3 Apple TVs. Then the apparently the Amazon Prime video app broke Apple TV download records, so a lot of people seem to want it. Um, and then Amazon have resumed selling Apple TVs and actually also Google Chromecasts through their website. So all in all, things seem to be back to normal and Amazon and Apple is, is, is back together like they promised they would be. So that's good. Um, Apple continue the push into education. They're joining um, the city of Chicago to provide some coding opportunities for city students. Uh, people had wondered and worried about whether the OLED screen would have problems with burn-in. Well, someone decided to do a test on the matter, and assuming 
that you don't leave your phone on the identically the same screen for more than 510 hours at a time. You don't have to worry about burning on the iPhone's OLED screen because apparently Apple subtly shifts stuff by one pixel and so on and so forth and it's sufficient to prevent burning for anything less than 500 hours in a row. So that, that makes me feel an awful lot better about running timers that stay, keep the screen awake and stuff like that. Then, continuing to be more open, we, we noted last time that Apple was allowing their science people to actually publish in journals and stuff. Well, they've gone one step further from publishing in journals and stuff to making actual presentations uh, of their technology at conferences. So, some Apple scientists demonstrated uh, some self-driving car technology at the Neural Information Processing and Systems Conference. So, that was nice to see. Uh, we talked a lot about Apple in India over the over the whole of 2017, really, where they were opening factories and things to try avoid being treated by India as a foreign company and being forced to hike the price of all of their devices. Unfortunately, that doesn't appear to have worked and Apple were forced to hike the price on their devices. And finally, Apple and Ireland have come to an agreement that they will put the 13 billion that both Apple and Ireland do not agree Apple owe Ireland into an escrow account and it will be done so in the next few weeks, basically in the first quarter of 2018. So I think that has us caught up on the stuff we've talked about before. Is there anything in there that anyone on the panel feels we should dig into a little bit deeper? I, just one t- tiny caveat um, on the India thing. Mm-hmm. I believe it, the um, SE is in fact manufactured or some of them are in India and the price was not raised on that. I believe it's the SE. Uh, I may be mistaken, but there's oh, one model. Devices, that's the good one for it to be because that one was kind of well suited to the Indian market anyway. Right, right. Yeah, so just to mention that one caveat for the folks. Excellent. No, thank you very much, Linda. Uh, anyone else want to chime in with anything on, on all that lot, or is that all sort of as we expected by the book? I think it speaks for itself. Yeah, it's, yeah pretty yeah. comprehensive. Uh, in terms of notable numbers, there were sort of two things that caught my eye, and I think they're probably related. So on the one hand, uh, every year Flickr released numbers about the cameras that are the most popular on their service. And over the years, it was always a fight between Nikon and Canon. But in recent times, that has not been the case, and it's basically been a fight between the different smartphones. And for 2017, Flickr released their numbers again, and their most popular camera is the iPhone. And it's probably also no surprise that, according to USA Today, the best-selling tech product in 2017 was the iPhone. So, basically, statistics show that iPhones are selling like hotcakes and our iPhones are being used very heavily as cameras. Is anyone surprised? No No. surprise. But I thought it was interesting that um, this year the percentage of iPhones is even higher. Than the, pro- than the previous year. So the trend is up as well. Which is kind of impressive for that still to be true. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt Apple's um, cause on this when a, a picture in the tabloids in the UK, uh, a full-page picture in the tabloids of the UK, uh, was taken on an iPhone, and it's uh, touted that it was taken on the iPhone of the Royals um, over the Christmas period. And uh, the person who took the picture said it was a purely luck that they got that shot, but they took it, and it's noted that it was taken with an iPhone. So uh, it was still good enough to be blown up on the front of every... Um, and a few of the broadsheets as well, I think, in the UK. So uh, that things like that never... never. Well, they don't um, 
discourage people from going out and using the phones even more. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, I'll see. Yeah, I'll see if I can find the link and and send it to you so you can pop it in the notes. Excellent. Yeah, and if I were Canon or Panasonic or Nikon, I think I would be terrified. Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much because they don't sell many apps, so they're not making it back that way. They, yeah, yeah. Although they're as bad as it is to be a DSLR manufacturer, I really wouldn't want to be a point and shoot manufacturer. Yeah, I agree. No. Okay, jumping into the legal latest, um, unusually, no mention of Qualcomm or Samsung or anything like that. Instead, we have a Chinese clothing brand whose logo looks awfully like a big A suing Apple for their new minimalized version of the App Store logo, which looks like three popsicles making an A. And in fairness to this Chinese clothing company... Yeah, it does look kind of similar, although I'm not entirely sure if you could say that they were, you know, in the same arena. So maybe it doesn't matter that they look similar. But even even the way the, you know, it, it's extremely similar. Uh, it's just Apple's is more rounded. Don't know what. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think what's odd about that is that evidently, or at least odd from an American perspective, uh, maybe just a uh, Western perspective hmm. is that I believe in in uh, U.S. law anyway, and I would guess in European law as well that um, if you're in a totally different field, it's yeah. not an issue. Yeah, that's you the know? same in Europe as well. Yeah, that, I mean that is the concept here in the West is that trademarks have uh, you get a trademark in a domain, so you would have a trademark on in the software domain versus a completely separate trademark in the clothing domain. So yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't be an issue by the way we Europeans think about these things and, and Americans. But well, we'll see what the Chinese courts have to say on the matter. Yeah. And the second legal latest story is one that just makes my blood boil. Um, but according to Italian law, it is perfectly fine for a pair of Italian brothers to name their clothing company Steve Jobs. And to use as their logo the letter J with a leaf spreading out of the top of it and a bite taken out of it. Apple have tried many, many times to sue this company and have now failed. Um, And the the, the courts in Italy have basically found that this is perfectly fine. And so the two brothers get to go ahead and leech off Steve Jobs for their own personal enrichment. I think it's fair to say it makes me quite cranky. Yeah. I think there's going to be a backlash on this. I mean, I, I, I think there already has been, just Bart, based on your comments. But I don't think this is going to do them any favors. The, the J, even the name Steve Jobs, yeah, okay. But, you know, the, the, the leaf and the bite, that's over the top. And I think that they're going to be called out on this constantly. I think it's going to be a Pyrrhic victory? Yeah, I, 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 I mean uh, – well, I don't know about you, but I, I don't buy my name, my clothes based on a particular name. So, you know, I don't think buying a pair of, of slacks from these people would make me like Steve Jobs. Maybe there are people out there that would buy that. I don't know. But, you know, I, I just think if, if I – certainly if I'm an Apple fan, I am – I hesitate to say offended, but I just kind of look at this and say, OK, these – these people are leveraging something they have no right to leverage, and I'm not going to contribute to their success, period. I'll go as far as to say offended. 
I find that whole concept offensive, so you're right. I certainly won't be giving them any of my money. But then again, I probably never was anyway. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder what would be the situation if Steve Jobs was still alive. I think oh. then he could, he could probably sue... Although he wouldn't have a tr- the J trademark, would he? Yeah, it's it's an odd one. I mean, it's yeah, I, I agree with Chuck there. I, I think it'll probably at the end of the day, it could actually be in a backlash on them if they're not careful. Because, but you never know. People try things on. It it is a bit um, uh, underhand, I'd say, and a little bit. Um, yeah. It's distasteful. Yeah. Yeah. I... Go ahead. No, no. Go I'll ahead, Mark. Um. I had this wondering that went through my head. I kind of wondered if Laureen Jobs, his widow, could do something like that. Now, I have no idea because, again, we're talking Italian law and, yes. I, you know, yes. <laughs> very little expertise, no expertise in that area. But I just wondered if the widow. I thought she was involved in these court cases. Oh, I didn't see that in the notes, which doesn't mean that. I, I don't I know. Wrong, that I she... could be misremembering, but I could have sworn that I saw somewhere that that she was that she was Apple and her were suing or something like that. There's been a okay. lot of court cases against these guys without success. Okay. Well, all right then. That would answer that question if she's already been involved. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but eighty percent sure on that. So, listeners, go to letstalk.ie, post a comment, and tell me how wrong I am. Um, if I am. Or not. Or, or right I am. Yeah, actually, yeah, I don't mind being right. told I'm right. That's, that's also acceptable. <laughs> Any other thoughts on, on this before we move along? So the next two sections in the show notes, I want to read you all of the headlines to make the point of how many there are, and then we can sort of ro- roll back and discuss them all as a unit. Um, so the first is Apple acquisitions and investment. So all of this is in the last month. So Apple acquires Pop-Up Archive, a company behind a podcast search engine called audiosur.ch. In other words, audio search. So they basically have text, not text-to-speech. Yes, no, speech-to-text technology that you can then search podcasts with. So that's kind of interesting that Apple would buy them. Then Apple have also bought Shazam, the very popular music recognition app. Then Apple have bought the developer tool, well, they bought the company BuddyBuild, who make a uh, a developer tool for Xcode, and they have told their Android customers that they can sod off by the end of March, and their free customers can also sod off by the end of March, but all the rest of their customers can stay. Uh, interesting to see what Apple will do with this tech. Maybe it'll get rolled into Xcode for free. Could be interesting. Uh, And then finally, Apple have used another chunk of its billion-dollar advanced manufacturing fund to make a $390 million investment in a U.S. company called Finisar, who make laser-based sensors, which is kind of cool. Uh, And those sensors are currently used by the iPhone X for proximity sense, or for sort of the depth sensing. And they're used in the AirPods, of all things, for proximity sensing, so that the AirPods, I guess, know when they're in your ear or not. So Apple have been busy buying and investing in future tech. Um, it's uh, anything here catch anyone's eye as being of particular note? Just feels like Apple's continuing to build out a lot of the things that are already there to to some degree, either improving it or upping their game a bit. I, that's that's the theme I get. Yeah, the the audio search and the Shazam are very interesting because that to me, makes me think that maybe Siri is getting a few more brains. 
Which could be very nice if that's where it's going, because, you know, Siri could do with a little injection of brain power. <laughs> now, did, no, no, after you. Did any, yeah, did anybody um, ever use the audio search pop up archive? I didn't. The search not. engine? No, I'm a big Shazam user, but not, not yeah. audio search. Yeah, me too. Okay. I was just curious because I. It, <laughs> If you could go through and find – I mean that would be, I think, very useful for people who do research. I think that could be a very interesting set of features. So I, I wonder how um, how that would work and how they would implement it. But anyway, just I was just curious if anyone had, anyone had any familiarity. It would be great to be able to say, hey, you know, hey, Dingus, search for podcasts about Apple Battery Gate or whatever – and have it jump you to the exact point within the latest staring fireball or whatever. I mean, you know, talk show or whatever. It could be exactly could be very powerful if it's proper if it's implemented well. Yeah, yeah. So, so was that an actual uh, application which was a purchased application, or was it just a free app? Do we know previously? I I've just gone to their website. That's why I'm asking the question. It's interesting. Uh, they've got a big sign on there saying that we've ended operations and support for audio search. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I never used them until Apple. I never heard of them until Apple bought them. And then when Apple bought them, they were shut down. It's like, oh, well, I guess I'll never know what they used to do. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. The one thing, too, that I think is I don't know if this is a prediction or not, but I figure that once this comes back online, that there's going to be a controversy around the search results. And and how Apple is managing them. I mean, think about how Google gets a, a lot of heat for you know what shows up first and how it's how it's manipulated and and all. And I can just see, given that this is going to be under the control of Apple, uh, you know they're going to they're going to draw a lot of fire for it. It almost doesn't matter how they implement it; it's they're still going to draw fire for it because someone is not going to be happy. That their podcast didn't raise rise to the top when Battery Gate came up, or you know whatever. And okay. I, you, uh, you Chuck, Chuck, you just give me an idea. Class action laws. <laughs> <laughs> There's a long queue building, guys. Long queue. Yeah, we'll get to that eventually, guys. Uh, well, it, Google. To be fair, Google takes paid advertisement and has all the ads. I mean, their business model is so different from Apple's. I mean, I'm sure you're right, Chuck, that there will be, you know, those who take offense because, you know, my podcast didn't get as high a ranking as somebody else's. But it's not the same, I think, as Google because Google has the the monetary incentive that, that Apple will not have. I was just trying to follow uh, Bart's adage of follow the money. Exactly. Um, and- and if you follow the money with Apple, they would like you presumably to either use their service or buy their wares. So yeah. there's still a money requirement there, I think, to a degree. Right. But yeah, the incentive but... is to give you good search results because they want yep. you to keep using. Yep. So if this is particularly if this is put out through Siri, then the, the incentive is to make it as useful as possible, because the only way you're going to get more Siri in your life is to buy more Apple gear. Whereas As opposed the, to Google, yeah. It, it's ahead, different, yeah. The, the, monetary, the monetary incentives are different, which may save Apple. It won't save Apple from criticism, of course. Don't be silly. Nothing, nothing will save Apple from criticism. But <laughs> It's going to be very interesting to, to see how it is implemented um, from the standpoint of, okay, can, can I search within an individual podcast or a, a podcast series? Or am I just going to say 
well, I almost did. Hey, you, um, you know, play me the most recent podcast about Battery Gate, or that includes the the phrase Battery Gate, you know, and and is that the way it's going to be used? I, I, I don't I don't there's so many different ways this could go and so many different things this could be used for that it's going to be very interesting to see just how many of those Apple takes advantage of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can just this... imagine such an, a wonderful world where you could say something like you know, hey Dingus, play me the bit of the latest security now where where Steve and Leo talk about blah blah blah. You know, I mean, it, it could be spectacularly powerful. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it... And aren't, aren't Apple trying to play catch-up because everybody's saying, I, and I don't know how accurate this is. This is from hearsay of what I hear on other podcasts and reading the news, that Google's search engine and Amazon's search engine, because they're, they're cloud-based and got the power uh, behind the cloud, uh, behind that search result process, and Apple relies on having the search in your machine, is that correct? I wonder whether they're trying to... Partially, Gaz, because when you ask, you know, the lady for some help, she's off to the Googles, so... She's got to go off there and get it, hasn't she? But yeah. it, it, it always seems as though they, they, they talk about the fact that there's a lot of power behind the searching that goes on with the, the CPU power and, and Google goes and Amazon goes off to the cloud to do all that. So I'm not quite sure what's going on there or whether they're trying to play catch-up because a lot of people do say that um, Apple search um, prowess is not as... Um, uh, quite as good as the other two companies. Well, no, the, the criticism is more about how much Apple know about you rather than search power, because Apple's had an awful lot of stuff that Siri does off to the cloud. So it's not it's not a CPU okay. power issue. It's a how much they spy on you issue. And so that wouldn't really come into this particular feature because you're talking about okay. searching podcasts, which are public. That kind of comes in more to the kind of thing where you can say, you know, am I doing something next Thursday? Where you know, yeah, true, true. You know, like true. you know, Google will do things like. Well, you know, they just they know more about you, so they can tailor search results at you better. But it's not quite the same as being no, and, and Apple. And it. Apple do want to show themselves as being still a, a music orientated company. I mean, they keep they they'll always tout that. I think well, that's why the Shazam acquisition is so sensible. Yeah, because I I would love my phone to be able to. You know, if I'm watching a TV show and they use a cool soundtrack, I'd love to just be able to say, you know, Hey Dingus, what's that music? And yeah. have her just know. I mean, that would. You know, right now I just have to open up Shazam, but it's always a bit of futzing around. It would be nice if I could just say, you know, hey, you know who, what's that? And have her just well, know. And depending on how, where you have Shazam on your phone or how you get to it, sometimes that snippet of music or that song can be over before you can get to it. So That has you know, happened that would, many times in my life, Chuck, yes. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm with you. I think this could be something that would be very exciting to just say, hey, you know, what am I listening to? Yeah, what's this? Yeah, could be cool. Okay, well, in a very similar... Oh, sorry, Linda. Let me let me jump in one more time. Just as an observation, because um, if, if, if from past podcasts when I've been on, I have been the one that has used Siri the most. I've been the one who's mm-hmm. been the biggest fan. Um, I'll just mention that recently I've noticed when I've asked for something informational from Siri, you know, something about uh, something that you would expect her to go to the web for. I've gotten a box that says Siri results and a box that says Google results with the Siri results coming up first. So that's something uh, I don't know what to make of it. I haven't seen any coverage of it, but it just, when you talk about the audio search 
yeah. thing in, in Siri. I thought I would mention that. So that maybe you, you guys may want, I know you don't use her probably in quite the same way I do, but if, you might want to try that and see what you get next time you want to, you know, remember how many, in what year thus and such happened or, you know, that kind of a, of a question. Well, that's interesting because so, I'm trying to use her more because I, I, I promise I would, I promised Alison Sheridan I would try to use her yeah. more. I'm not having a huge amount of success, but I do find her at her best when I'm being simple and factual. You know, how many tablespoons in a cup? You know, those kind of things. Right. You know, and if you're cooking and your hands are covered in goop, you know, set me a five minute timer, you know, and usually it's when I'm cooking is the one I want to know because the recipe will be in silly American units and my weighing scales are in silly European units. And it's like, ah, sugar. What the hell's a flaws and how many liters is that? And, and just one more tip that I might offer that may help some you and, and perhaps some other folks, too, is that when I, I realized at one point what I do when I'm talking to her is I think about, you know, if I'm t- speaking to somebody who doesn't have English as a first language, which is very prevalent here in Silicon Valley because we have people from everywhere. I think about it as how do I say this in such a way that this person can understand me? you know, given where they're from and given our language difference. Mm. And and you, Bart, when I listen to you on, on, well, this podcast and other places, you often switch how you're saying something or an expression so that the Americans can understand. You you know, you'll mention something in both, say, an idiom from, from Ireland and also then you'll translate it into American English. And so I do the same thing with Siri. It's like, how can I say this? And what, what is she going to need if I ask yeah. for... You know, to play a popular song, I always will remember which artist I wanted by because there'll be half a dozen of them that have made that song popular. Yeah. So, so anyway, that's just a tip that might help somebody. It's an interesting observation, actually, because um, I've watched my darling beloved attempt to make Siri behave. And he, <laughs> I, I'm used to translating from Irish idioms because of podcasting. And Alison has basically beaten that into me. Uh, and I'm delighted to hear that people notice I do it. That's a relief. Um, but the better half speaks in very hiberno-English. And I'm sitting there going, no, the reason Siri has no idea what you're talking about is because you're talking hiberno-English at the poor thing. You know, you talk more like an American TV show and she'll do better. It's like, I don't care. She should be able to. It's like, OK, fine. You may continue to swear at her. But if you'd like an answer, I suggest this approach. Anyway, that's uh... very good. It definitely helps. Okay, so a a similar set of stories. So again, a reminder, everything I'm about to read out here in this list is all December 2017. So Johnny Ives has moved back to directly managing Apple's design team. Apple hired former Universal Music producer Michelle Lee. Apple hired two business executives for their video division, uh, Philip Mathias from Hulu and Jennifer Wang from Legendary Entertainment. Apple hired three Amazon executives, Tara Sorensen, formerly head of Amazon Kids program, coming to Apple in a similar role. Karina Walker, formerly an international development executive at Amazon, and she's becoming an international creative executive at Apple. And Tara Pietri, formerly Amazon Business Affairs chief, who will lead Apple's legal affairs division. And then finally, one in the other direction, Google poaches top mobile chip designer John Bruno from Apple. That's a lot of HR comings and goings for for just one month. And again, yeah, Apple have lost one engineer to Google. But all the other stories about are about Apple pulling people in and over and over and over again. And it was the same last, the, the previous show. It's people from the entertainment industry being hoovered up at a spectacular rate of knots. 
their entertainment division must be getting very um, uh, busy. Yeah. And um, I, I, I hope they've got their reporting um, levels sorted out because uh, I'll tell you one thing that you do find with organisations when you get a lot of new people in is uh, they sometimes take a little while to uh, bed in and then they'll make some more internal changes. So uh, we might we might be seeing some further changes down the line. Yeah, and they're pulling big people from Sony and from Hulu and from Universal and from Amazon. All of those companies have distinct corporate cultures. And Apple's video division doesn't have a corporate culture yet. So it's going to be very difficult to establish a culture out of whole cloth from people who are so different. That's an interesting observation, Bart. I hadn't thought about it from the, the culture standpoint. I guess I've been thinking about what what skill sets each of these people bring and and what skill sets they bring from where they are now but the culture thing is is really very interesting i mean it could be very powerful or it could be very difficult to manage well i think they're in for it i think it's going to take a while i mean it's very rare for apple to go from zero to something right if they hire in a whole bunch of engineers those engineers are joining an existing engineering team and so it's a matter of molding those engineers to fit the existing culture, which is already well-established. But Apple are creating this huge division from whole cloth. Like, they don't have a previous video division to bring these people into. These people are becoming a whole new wing of Apple, and quite a large wing from the looks of things, with some really big hitters. So their first few swings are probably going to be misses. Yeah, yeah, because um, just take one guy that brought in uh, to loud of well in the UK we all thought it was going to be a bit of a failure and that was John Bright mm. uh, he came in and made, he was a big <laughs> miss so yeah some of these are going to be misses but you know yeah that was Andrew Aaron's his predecessor and he, he was quite That's the right. miss you're right actually I remember that was back in the days of the International Mac Podcast and it, being that he came from the British firm Curry's <laughs> the, the 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 panel was extremely certain this was a terrible idea and what on earth was Tim Cook thinking and then not many months later Tim Cook went this is a really stupid idea what was Tim Cook thinking um, and he very quickly I think he was gone within six months wasn't he it wasn't long it wasn't long and I think you know you're going to find the same with these people some will stay and, and make you know an absolute success of it and and there'll be some that fall by the wayside. Yeah. As I say, it'll be very interesting to see what comes out. There was also rumours about um, another show, but it was all rumour. I didn't. I don't like rumours, which is why I didn't pop it in the show notes, but apparently they had Ronald D. Moore of Star Trek fame uh, coming in to do a sci-fi series with Apple. So, I mean, look, the absolute best television, as far as I am concerned, from the whole of 2017 was from Netflix. Yeah. In fact, it was specifically The Crown, which I... I'm not a royalist. I don't expect to think that kind of thing is good, but oh my God, is that an amazing Great series. Work. Yeah. Great series. And they're a new company who made an entire video division out of whole cloth, and they have made amazing stuff. So it's not impossible for Apple to do as well, but wow, what a bar. Anyway, mm. We shall see. So with all that said, let's get stuck into the four main stories of the month. Uh, the first one is kind of a quick one, but it's one I do I, I do think we should take some time to focus on because I think it is a big deal. Apple Pay Cash has launched, but it's only launched in America so far. Now, it is going to roll out to other countries over the next few months, but for now, it's America only. Uh, so if you have, if you are in America 
and you have the latest iOS and the latest watchOS, you now have the ability to send money directly between people um, and you can source that money from your debit cards and you can spend that money either as a plain old debit card using Apple Pay or I think you can also transfer the money out of Apple Pay Cash into your bank account. So obviously neither myself nor Gaz have been able to use this. So our two Americans, have either of you had first-hand experience of this new product? I have not. I've I've wanted to, but honestly, I just haven't had the opportunity or the time to get to it. And it it has it's been one of those things for me that I I'd like to play with and see how it works, but it hasn't been essential, and so therefore, no, I haven't. It also takes two to tango, right? You got to have a need to send someone money, and that someone has to be an American Apple user. Right, I know one or two of those. Well, that's but, a fair uh, point. That's a fair point. You know. That you need to send money to, you know, it's not always as obvious. Basically, you need to go out to dinner more, so you have to share more bills. That, that's clearly uh-huh. what's needed, Chuck. Uh, yeah, yeah. Social, social tips from Bart. I like it. <laughs> so, Linda, how about you? I have used it in a very limited way. Um, somewhat. Well, first of all, I don't have a debit card because I've always just stayed away from them because I, they just make me nervous security-wise. If somebody ever gets a yeah, hold of them, I can see why. Yeah, that's that's been my you know perhaps overly nervous, but nonetheless, I don't have one of those. But um, my husband sent me money using using it um, using uh, using Apple Pay Cash, and so I ended up with this hunk of money. And then I was like, okay, what do I do with this? How do I, you know, what do I, what do I do? And, and then his comment was, well, just use it like you would a card, you know, on Apple pay. Cause I use Apple pay all the time. I use it, you know, there's a number of all of my, well, all of my regular grocery stops, uh, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, um, Walgreens, which is the, you know, a drugstore and not a, not a grocery stop, but all of those I use, Apple Pay there, um, you know, all the time, and even some of the restaurants, some of the fast food restaurants now here at least um, use it. So I've just started paying for whatever my groceries or whatever. I just put it at the top of my card, and I've sp- been spending the money that way, um, and it worked perfectly. Now I I have to decide um, if I want to you know put money in. Or just tell him, okay, here's here's a hundred dollar bill. Send me a hundred dollars so I can have it if I need it in in uh, Apple Pay. How I want to do that, so that's all TBD to be determined. So, yeah. Well, look, at least so, it worked. That's that's the important oh, thing, right? Yeah, it works. Per- I mean, it worked perfectly. All of a sudden, I had this notice, of, and, and my, you know, all of a sudden, I have money that I didn't have before. Well, why do I have this money, and what, what do I do with it? So, but he, you know, he showed me how to do it, and uh, it's worked fine, just like my credit cards do. And did did he find it easy to send the money? I guess is the other he did. question. Yeah, okay. he did. He, yeah, he he was. Yeah, for him, it's like okay, this is fine, not a problem at all, you know. And he'll he'll do that with some of his buddies because he he will at work go out to lunch with a bunch of the guys and they'll split it up that way. I'm sure. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Yeah, I don't I don't find too much of a problem using uh, some of the banking apps that we've got over here. But for transferring money, I, I mean, only today I've had one of my friends who owed me some money from uh, New Year's Eve, and um, it, you know, he said it's gone, it's transferred to you, and I, I don't find it too difficult. But it is the problem of having to set it up 
and then going into your particular bank app and then sending it over to the appropriate account from your friend. So uh, if Apple Pay makes that whole process easier, I can I can see it catching on. Okay. And this is one of the things with I think with any of the any of these kind of services, you you have to go through the trouble of setting them up. Although I, I'm I am with Linda, you know, if I'm going to do this, I think I'm going to find a cheap or or no cost debit uh, account somewhere because I'm not going to want to give it access to my main checking account um, <laughs> via a debit card. So you know, I may I may set up just. An account specifically for that, where you know you keep fifty, seventy-five, a hundred bucks in something that if it did get taken, you know, obviously you don't want to lose a hundred bucks. But on the other hand, it wouldn't be as big a tragedy as someone being able to hoover out your entire, you know, your entire checking account. Right. Yes. Yeah, that is. They are very different things. Yes, exactly. I, I like. I'm such a huge Apple Pay user. Um, I mean, I've only had the ability to use it for the past three months or so. Uh, my bank. Well, in fact, the whole of Ireland only recently got Apple Pay, and my bank was the second in the country to get it. But it has changed my life completely. I mean, it is such an amazing thing, especially because it works with the Apple Watch. I don't have to go... You know, we've had really, really crappy winter weather where I've been wearing many, many layers and many hats and gloves and things. And to not have to find that bloody wallet on the fifth layer down of clothes is such a convenience. You can just double-click the side button on the watch, hold it over the reader, you feel the little vibration through the watch, and you're done. Yeah. I do get frustrated, Bart, in the UK with uh, some of the places that will still only allow Apple Pay up to the £30 um, chip and pin limit, or the you know the, the touch yeah. limit. Yeah, well, I mean, it is piggybacking off the the chip, the uh, the, the contactless tap to pay. It, it is, it yeah. is, and uh, but but there are some companies that do allow you to go over that limit. There uh, are, and so 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 every time I I have to pay and it's uh, it's touch, I'll always try it, and you'll always get the person behind. Oh no, it won't. It won't. Oh, oh, it does do it over thirty pound. I say yes, some it does. Yeah. Some it doesn't. It's a, you know, it, it's the agreement from the company and the banks, of well, course. It's not. If the little icon, Apple's. if the little uh, sort of Wi-Fi looking symbol shows up in the terminal, I it will work. If it doesn't, I don't think the terminal is even paying attention. So I don't think it matters whether it's Apple Pay or not. I think the terminal is just going. Nope, I'm not even asking for NFC. Uh, possibly, yeah, possibly. So it does depend on the terminal, and I guess that depends on how the company set it up. But on the whole, I found that the magic incantation is you just say to people, can I tap to pay? And you don't tell them yes. up front that you're going to try something funky, because they will assume <laughs> it won't work. And you'll see the quizzical look on their face, and then the receipt will print out, and they'll go, oh, that's kind of cool. And say, yes, yes, it is cool. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yeah. So just, can I tap to yeah. pay? Yeah, I just I want to second the thing about uh, the watch because it, it, here in the U.S. we've switched over to the um, the chip, mm. and the problem with our system is is that you put the your card in the thing and then you wait and it seems like four hours that you're waiting there for the darn thing to do its processing, and if I can just you know pull up my sleeve and tap on my watch and put it on there and boom I'm out of there I'm done and I, I get so annoyed at the chip I mean it's like we're we're so spoiled with this you know have to wait 30 seconds but it just seemed like such a long time in comparison from what you can do with the watch with apple pay it's really it's really a great convenience see the thing and, is like you guys are really really late to chip and pin 
And despite being really late to chip and pin, your implementation of chip and pin is still worse than ours. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know. It's terrible. It's just terrible. But anyway. Just to be, to, to, to be fair, Bart, nobody here had anything to do with that. It was somebody sitting somewhere using a Windows machine that did this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. Basically, no question. the banking lobby has too much power, and they got their way, which was as little as possible change, please. We would like to yeah. keep things as they are for as long as possible. Yeah, and whereas in Europe it just got ploughed through. It's, anyway, yeah, that's we're never going to solve that one, but so be it. Nope. Anyway, let's move on to our second big story, which is that the iMac Pro is out. It is no longer a, an anticipated device. It is for reals. It is a beast of a machine with uh, what we used to call workstation-class hardware. So basically think server power CPUs. The entry model has 16 gigs of RAM. This is absolutely not a toy. They're Xeon processors. But the price tag is commensurate with them not being a toy. These are pro machines. They start at $5,000. And if you crank them up to the biggest possible SSDs and as much possible RAM, you can get those things to come in at like forty grand or something like that. They are astonishing machines. Needless to say, I do not have one. I... With the best will in the world, I can't even make an excuse to get one. Um, so even if I had money coming out of my ears, I still don't think I would get one because they're just not for me. But they are being very well received by the people for whom they are, which is people who do video production and so forth for a living. So anyone on the panel got an iMac Pro? Chuck, you're a video dude. <laughs> no, I, Bart, I, I'd love one. I mean, obviously I would love one, but I just could not justify it because too much of my life is spent not sitting in front of my iMac. It's spent, you know, at the office or working remotely from various locations. And so if this were an i uh, a MacBook Pro Pro, what, super, don't... super, super laptop. I don't think you, know, you could power I... these kind of chips off a battery, Chuck, without having no. a trolley to hoof it around. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I mean, but but I would be all over that. But for right now, no, this machine is one that I, I look very covetously at, but I can't justify the price. Although some of the things I've seen make me think, boy, that would that would solve a lot of rendering problems real quick. But no. Given what you've described, though, I have a funny feeling that actually, the, if you were going to spend the large amount of money, the Mac Pro that we're expecting in 2018 is probably more likely to be of use to you because you could imagine putting that in a corner somewhere to do your rendering and that your actual machine that you would use the GUI on would be continue to be a MacBook Pro that you can take with you. Yeah, but I, I think I don't think it's realistic that that this is going to be a machine that you're going to want to put in the corner just well, to do. I'm saying so. The iMac Pro isn't the machine for you, whereas I think the future Mac Pro might be a better fit for you because all you yeah. need from it is its grunt. You do not need that stupendously beautiful 5K display, which is taking up a big part of that price tag. Agreed, agreed, and that's one of the things that I, I think I've been using this argument for a long time. All of us want to believe we are pros. Okay. Yes. You know, every every single one of us wants to believe we're pro and therefore we should have a pro machine when the fact is that the current 5K iMac is a whole lot more horsepower than 95% of us need. And and yet we still want that box that we can shove things in and connect this and pull that out of. And so, you know, will Apple get around to that? Well, they got around to building this machine and a couple people 
you know, no more than a couple kind of gasped at the price. But this is an honest to God pro machine for 2017, 2018. And I think that I think that's what the Mac Pro will be when it comes. It's going to be an honest to God pro machine, not not for us wannabe pros, but the real pros who need this stuff and have the budgets to afford it. Yeah. And I mean, you need to be like this needs to be pro in the sense of this is your profession. And if you are someone who is a professional video editor, your time is worth the price of that machine. That will pay for itself. And if that machine won't pay for itself, it's not for you. Yeah. Um, So was was an example I think um, I heard on Daring Fireball was of um, a company who do software for sucking in information from an MRI scanner and turning it into a real-time 3D model. And basically, the entire device costs like a million euro. So the price tag for the iMac Pro, which they are going to be shipping with it, is like an optional extra. It's like a little, you know, a Bluetooth dongle, effectively, right? That is what these machines are for. They are not for desktop home users. And they're priced entirely appropriately. (laughs) And I really like your description, Jack. We all like to think it's for us. I gave up on thinking like that a few years ago, and it has made me a much happier person. Yeah. I am an I am an IT pro in the sense that I make my living from IT. Do you know what my work laptop is? It is a MacBook. Not a MacBook Pro, not a mm. MacBook Air, a MacBook. Apple's cheapest laptop. And do you know what it is? It's perfect. Yeah. There you go. I do. I wouldn't. I do want to point out one thing though that Wally Cherwinski pointed out to me, and I really hadn't thought about it in these terms. But if we're carrying around iPhone X or, or you know, a little lower, um, and you do and and you do a multi-camera shoot with iPhone X, again or a little lower, you're shooting. You, you might have two, three, four cameras of 4K footage. Yeah. And when you and when you start trying to put together a multi-cam. With with two three or four multi uh, two three or four four K footage sources, you know yeah it slows down a lot, and so you know there's there's a point that this 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 kind of hardware and this kind of power may be filtering down or need to filter down a little bit, but for right now it's not there. But I, I feel like we are pushing we are pushing ahead we are pushing up into that area and then of course now a lot of us well no I have not I, I want to I have not experimented with 360 video yeah. but that's a whole that's a whole nother thing and when Tim uh, when uh, Apple hired Tim Dashwood last year hmm. everybody said gee what's going to happen well now Final Cut uh, will address 360 video if you've got it so yeah, the, the the needs are are tri- the needs are trickling down. The power requirements are tri- trickling down, but at the moment, I don't know that most of us can justify it. But remember, like the five K regular iMac is no slouch. Absolutely not. You know that is a serious piece of machine too, and that is capable. Of, that is that is capable of doing so much. For anyone who's not making a living out of editing video, like it'll do all that 3D stuff, you know, the 360 video, and it may it'll take longer to render it than that beast of an iMac Pro. But unless it's your source of income, how do you justify the extra thousands and thousands of, of dollars or euros? You know, it's, you have to be realistic right. about these things. Yeah, better just, to go and spend the money on two or three iPhone 10s. Yeah, I mean, just because Apple sell a machine doesn't mean it's for you. <laughs> It sure is beautiful, though. I mean, it, it? not only 
It is just gorgeous to look at. I mean, I've only seen pictures, but I need to go to the store and see if I can lay my eyes on one. But man, they are sure pretty. So well, space gray is my color, right? My 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 twelve inch MacBook is the space gray model. So clearly, I need an iMac to match my space gray. See how there I'm going to talk go. myself into this somehow. <laughs> there you go. And then you can Linda, do Chuck's video for him. Yeah, Lin, Lin, Linda, you you got to remember, Apple are the experts when it comes to imagery as well. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. Okay. You need to get. Um, I think you need to get Don on because I think he he. But well, he's a perfect it. example of someone who literally makes their living. Like, the difference between yeah. how well, how quickly video renders for Don affects how much how productive he can be in a week and how much money he can make. Yeah. Like for yeah. Don, that is an actual investment in that puts bread on his table, literally. Yeah. Yeah, and he does have a 5K, or excuse me, um, an, a Mac, an iMac Pro. That doesn't surprise me at all. He, he posted that on Facebook, and it made me very, very jealous. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Chuck, I think you're probably on the – I think you could, if you really tried, I think you could justify it. I think you're sort of on the edge. You're not helping, Bart. Sorry. You're not helping. <laughs> Anywho, well, with all that said um, – let us move on to the elephant that's been lurking around this room for the last while. Clearly the biggest story in terms of amounts of tweets gasped has got to be so-called battery gate or iPhone slow gate or whatever whatever it is we're calling it that somehow pretends this is as serious as the President of the United States lying. Um, <laughs> so I have in the show notes put all my cards on the table. I have called it battery gate or in brackets, or the latest mindless faux scandal to set the world at Twitter, which is sort of how I feel about it. So I am affected by this, right? Up until two or three weeks ago, my day-to-day iPhone was an iPhone 6S. And it's ba- it, it suffered before the release of, I- of iOS 10. It suffered from the sudden shutdown syndrome whenever the weather was cold. So basically on cold winter days, I would go out cycling, I would use it to track my workout, I would take it out of my pocket, it would get a blast of cold air onto it, and it would go from 33% battery to zero instantly and just die and refuse to turn back on until I got home, ruining my workout tracking and making me stupendously cranky. And by Apple changing how the phone works under the hood, that phone continued to be useful to me for a further two years. And in fact, it still still would have continued if things hadn't... They ended up with a new phone sort of by default. Um, So to me... I was an affected user. I do not think this is a scandal that Apple have have allowed me to continue to use a phone for two extra years. I think it is ludicrous to say that this is somehow a scheme to make me upgrade quicker because quite clearly it allowed me to continue to use my phone for two extra years. So I think that you can argue that Apple could have been clearer in what they were doing. I cannot see an argument that what they did is technically not the right thing to do. What is better? A phone that runs a little bit slower or a phone that just craps itself and dies on a regular basis? Clearly, slower is better than no phone. And their response, I think, has been extremely good to basically say, okay, fine, then we will replace your battery for $29. I will be doing that, by the way, because I still have my success. So clearly, I do not think this is a problem. And clearly, I think, from a technical point of view, I think Apple were genius. And in fact, I thoroughly applaud Apple's technical solution to a technical problem. They said that they were improving power management. This is what power management looks like. You manage the amount of power the device draws so that it doesn't kill the battery. 
bada bing bada boom it's perfect and I kind of do think Apple did say what they were doing because they said they improved power management so I will now step down from my <laughs> soapbox and um, throw it open to the rest of the panel so I guess the first question is is there anyone else who's in the same boat as me who was directly affected by this who whose handset was doing the shutdowns and was slowed down by these software updates yes no yes yes Okay. Ooh, I don't remember what questions Let me explain that because it, it, it's not a direct response to your question, although it is. I have generally um, the ability every year to update my phone, okay. which I do. That phone then dripples down to one member in the family. Gotcha. When, I, when we go for the following year, and I'm in a lucky position to be able to upgrade my phone, which currently I do, that phone dripples down to a member in the family. Then you come to the third year, and the first person that I dripple down to then dripples that phone down to somebody else in the family. Yeah, and iPhones then, live long is what you're saying. Absolutely. And we've now got a fourth person in that loop. And I carry another phone, which is for what I call my rugby phone, because basically I use it for all the rugby calls. I don't want them coming in on my normal phone. If the iPhone could have two SIMs, hurrah, I'd be sorted. But I just happen to deal with it. it it's, you know, some people will say, why do you do that? But I, it's the way I I, I have to say, guys, from my point of view, I have always refused to mix my personal and work phones. As far as I'm concerned, if work want me That's... to have a phone, they will buy me a phone. Yeah, that's why I've got a problem now. I've got three phones. But anyway, <laughs> that, that, that's one side. That Let's ignore the work phone. So I have a phone which is affected by it, and I have family members whose phone would be affected mm. by it. The only thing I would say is I might like the choice as to whether I want to do that or not. However, when I push that down, I think it's probably better that they don't have the choice. And I'd probably take the choice that I want them to manage it anyway, if if truth be if. If, if, you know, if push come to shove, I'd say, yes, you deal with it. And I think I totally agree with you in everything you've said, Bart. The only thing that really, really, really disappointed me was the handling of it. And I yeah. think we could probably agree on that. Would you agree, they though, could have... as, as, as poor as things can be argued to have been initially, the final place we finally ended up was good? I think... That, um, we, Maybe we don't agree on that. Yes, 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 yes. I'm not going to disagree with that. Where I, um, where I am frustrated is that friends and family, all of them have now got a battery and I have to drop my head. And I, although I don't have to defend Apple, I'm not a shareholder, um, but I am somewhat – um, you know, entrenched in the ecosphere, and they all know that. Some of them are doing it to wind me up. Some of them are doing it because of pure ignorance, and some of them are doing it because they're reading what the press is saying. Mm. And that's what I find frustrating. Yeah, And I think it will be... I, I, a valid argument I would make is that from the moment the phone starts to throttle itself, there should be... A, a badge should appear on my yes. settings app... Uh, and it should take me to general about where there should be my battery page should have an exclamation point next to it. And it should say, we have detected that your battery is starting to age. 
That is part of its normal process. You can continue to use the phone. However, we're going to have to be more aggressive in our power management. Or you can click this button here to log a call with us to have the battery replaced. At at only $29. I mean, and even at the original price of $79, that was still pretty good value to have the battery replaced. I I would have taken them up on that anyway. But particularly at this new price... I mean, I am. It's basically due to the generosity of a listener. I have. I wasn't planning on buying myself an iPhone 10, but I got some very good Christmas presents into the support the show uh, features. So I have an iPhone 10 now, Um, which means I am now the owner of a first generation Apple product. Which means I am expecting that during that phone, that phone has Apple Care. And I may end up using that Apple Care, which means I'll be without that phone for a few days when I do use that Apple Care. So I want to keep my iPhone 6S around. I've had it carrier unlocked because it's out of contract. So that I've taken care of that so I can shove any SIM I want into it now. And I want that phone around for when inevitably my first generation product needs a bit of TLC courtesy of Apple. So I will get its battery replaced, even though it isn't my day-to-day phone anymore. And at eighty, at seventy-nine dollars, I was, I was like, I'll probably do it. And at twenty-nine dollars, I'm like, yep, that's happening. I, I, I mean, I, I love the whole process because there, there is a green part to this for Apple, and and you know they're not. I don't think they're singing the virtues of that either, because if you if you think about how many phones there must be stuck in drawers and how much mm. resource is sitting in people's drawers just doing nothing because the battery has died on that particular phone. And those, the problem is a lot of those people are actually on contract, so they'll go out and just get a new, the next upgraded phone, whether it be an iPhone, an Android phone, a Microsoft phone, whatever it is. And and the old one will just sit in the drawer somewhere, and that is so, I think, um, wasteful. Yes. It, it, and, no, absolutely and Apple, it's wasteful. I mean, there are precious metals in there that we're running out of on this planet just sitting there doing absolutely positively nothing. I, 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 I think I, I think we're going to be agreed on this, and unless somebody wants to be devil's advocate. <laughs> I was going to say, is there anyone else on the panel directly affected like myself and Gaz? I'm not directly affected. I, had, I do have a 6S that I use primarily for video shooting now mm-hmm. since I've moved on to the 10. And I have noticed that it's it, it has slowed down. At least my, that's my perception. But on the other hand, I'm quick to say that that may be colored by the fact that now I'm running an iPhone 10. And so right. anything older is going to seem a little bit slower. Um, but I do plan on having the battery replaced just to, you know, it'll be very interesting for me to, to see how it checks out and how it measures. Yeah. Um but you know, I, I, Bart, I think you said it so well in your uh, in, in your notes. You know, the mindless foe sand scandal to set the world. You know, it, I just I can't figure out why this is such a big deal. Okay, the messaging wasn't quite what it should have been. You know, but I, I just don't see this as as anything worth near the attention it's gotten. I don't think it damages Apple's credibility that much, if if any. You know, I, I think okay, it's a mistake. You know, the, gee. Which which one of us hasn't made ten mistakes in the last five hours? You know, so it, it's can't very get clear excited. to me. There's no malice here. It's quite the opposite. Yeah. I mean, yeah. technologically, this is very clearly about extending the life of phones. So the fact that the so supposed scandal is that this is about forced upgrades and planned obsolescence is absolute horse poop. Like that is yeah. just that does not stand up to reality. That conspiracy theory, and that's why I'm so cranky about it because. This is about poor communication, not about malice. 
and they're very, very, very different things. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, that's 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 pretty clear. I mean, I think those of us that have any familiarity with Apple know that. Um, I I have a I can say I have a success. Um, the I also have an eight, so which is what I'm using now. But um, I had the problem with the six S before the seven came out, where it would drop, and we don't have the kind of cold weather that you do, Bart. So it was not a function of weather, but I had that uh, episode where, you know, it would be at 35 or even 40% and then it would just drop totally out. I took it to the Apple store prior to it coming out that there was a series of batteries that had problems in that phone. Mm. And um, I don't know if you you guys probably remember that. Um, and, And they basically said, there's nothing wrong with it. And I never did get back to checking the actual serial number, uh, but because I don't use it anymore, I hadn't done anything with it. So, uh, however, it is now going to my father-in-law because he's in his uh, eight, mid mid to late eighties and he's uh, never had an iPhone. Oh, so I'll yeah. probably yeah. So I'll probably get it back from him, replace the battery, and then give it to him and do it that way um, because the twenty-nine dollar. Uh, you know, I was a little bit hesitant about giving him that particular phone anyway because of the um, because it did die on me several times. But then I, you know, switched off to the the next phone. So um, so anyway, and I just I want to make one comment about and I actually I'm um, quoting Jeff Gamut here, who most of us know, uh, having listened to him on another podcast. His his comment was more than likely what happened at Apple is that you had engineers who went, oh, we have a problem. And the problem is, pardon me, that the that the uh, the phone, when the battery is getting older, it all of a sudden shuts off when people try to do something uh, that that uh, taxes the CPU. Therefore, our way around it is to simply manage it and slow it down when it hits that peak of CPU usage. And all they were doing is going, "There's an engineering problem. Let's fix the engineering problem." Nobody thought about, "Oh, this is going to be misinterpreted." Et cetera, et cetera, which of course it's going to be. I mean, I yeah. understand that. that makes a lot of us cranky, but people will decide that, oh, oh, Apple's doing something bad when all they're really trying to do is solve a technical problem. So I think hopefully inside Apple, there's somebody who's looking at, okay, we need to look at the PR angle on this kind of change in the future and do a little better on our messaging. Yeah, I, I yeah, hope that's Phil Schiller's job, right? Phil is director of worldwide marketing. You well, it's his job. Phil Schiller dropped the ball here. Well, not necessarily. I would say not necessarily because I don't know what the communicate. I mean, I don't know enough about the internal workings of Apple to know that the engineering change would have been brought to his attention. Yeah, uh, okay, I so hope it could that- be a process issue, right? Got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I hope that this doesn't slow them down in making sure that all the messaging out to the world is correct because that could slow their innovation down. We don't want their engineers not to go out and do stuff which makes life and the use of their products better um, because they've got to get the right message out. And that's what really annoys me about this as well, because this this could push a company back to say, oh, right, hang on a minute, we've got to make sure we get everything absolutely perfect before we push this out to everybody. And that's that's a bad thing. Well, organizationally speaking, it would seem to me anyway that what you would do is you would have the engineers do what they do and have somebody who's halfway knowledgeable and good at communications watching what they do. And I think, and I think, 
I think Apple are big enough and good enough to be able to do that. But if you've got a smaller company, this could this could have actually really seriously hurt them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to yeah. throw in one more point before we move on. So every right, this has nothing to do with Apple. So batteries age, and so an iPhone six or six S by definition, is now an old device. So its battery has had years of use. So even if it's perfect, or even if you don't think you're affected by this problem, being able to get a brand new battery for $29 is still worth your while. So I would suggest to everyone who is about to hand down an iPhone 6, 6S, or 7 to a new, you know, it's that time of year where a lot of that stuff is happening. If you're about to do the hand-me-down dance, in that gap between owner one and owner two or owner two and owner three, whatever stage of the dance you're at, get that battery replaced now because effectively what you will have then is a brand new phone. And it will have many, yeah. many years of life left in it, which is exactly what you want to give to someone. You want to give someone advice that's going to have a long time left in it. Yeah. Bart, if I can throw one last thing yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and I don't don't have the reference for this, but early in this whole controversy, um, Renee Ritchie of iMore reported that at some point the tech press did receive a briefing on this. Yes. And it, and, and it was it was you know revealed. Yes, and no, it was no it, it was no big deal. But with for, for anyone, nobody nobody I, I don't want to say nobody caught it, but nobody caught it. Well, you know, this so, was nothing to catch because basically yeah, it was yeah. power management is what is the words that were used. And the thing is, I listened to a, a Dutch language podcast. It's called Tech 45, which is an English sounding name, but they're a Dutch language podcast. And they did a bit about eight months ago where they resurrected an iPhone 6 that was really that was acting up really badly by doing by buying a battery from iFixit and installing it themselves. And they talked in detail about how in order, as a battery ages, it ceases to become able to deliver enough peak voltage and therefore it can't drive the CPU at full power. So the CPU has to be throttled back because the battery isn't delivering the voltage. And by replacing the battery, you'll really speed up your phone if your phone is suffering in this way. Basically, they did the whole of this thing six or eight months ago as just a segment on their show. And there was no scandal. And they weren't inventing conspiracy theories. They were referring to the tech... um, briefing that was given quite some time ago. I mean, this stuff was known. It just hadn't been picked up in the bits of the press that like fancy pants headlines, I guess. Yeah, and that's where I get really upset with the tech press because this fact has has gone largely unreported or undiscussed. Hmm. The the information was out there. They decided not to not to talk about it because again, as you said, there was nothing to catch. Nope. Everybody thought, okay, this is this is fine and, and move on. But then somebody decides to sensationalize it and now we have class action lawsuits. And for the record, I'm sorry, but any, this is all about the law firms making the money. Oh yeah. It, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm sorry, but if if you are in, if you are joining one of these class action lawsuits, as far as I'm concerned, shame on you, because mm-hmm. you're you're not you're not going to get any significant dollars back. All you're going to do is enrich the 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 these. The law firms that are engaging in these practices and encourage them to encourage them to continue, and you know that it's, it's absolutely your right to do it. And if you decide to do it, that's fine. But, but it's I your encourage right you to not say you're to. An idiot. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to go quite that far. But it's. But but you. Gaz, did you say it earlier? Follow the money. You know, follow the money. And and who's making the money off of this deal? It's not Apple. 
you know, I, I seriously doubt they're Chuck, making. It, it, I I will go so far as to say this, and this is me speaking, not Chuck. If you join in one of these class action suits, you are being played. You are a chump because you're going to make a piddly pittance, if anything, and the lawyers are going to get paid whether they win or whether they lose. Yep. And that's a good way to say it, Bart, is you are being played. That's not slanderous. That is just, yeah, you, you know. You're the chump in the, yeah, it, yeah, that, exactly. That's, that's the way it is because, because the attorneys are going to make more than you are. And there's something really wrong with that scenario. And is and were there's no there are you there. serious? Yeah, are you serious? Did you really because of this? Did you really go out and buy a new phone, whether it was a, a, a new six or a new seven or a new ten or an eight? You know, did you really because of that little bit of slowdown in the performance? Is that the thing that tipped you over into buying a new phone? And well, the other I just question is, and if your phone was constantly shutting down, would that have tipped you over perhaps quicker? Because they're your choices, yeah. right? The batteries Amen. age because of physics. Yep. Like battery technology. There's one of the headlines here in the in the show's links to the show notes that I just sort of love. Uh, where is it gone here? Um, ah. Apple is being slandered for what chemistry cannot fix, is Seeking Alpha's yep. headline on this. And I thought, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. You completely nailed it, Seeking Alpha. Well done. You know, it... it it's 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 chemistry, and people who have older Androids are are suffering from this kind of stuff too. But they're not they're suffering more because their phones are shutting down. And right. and, anyway. I, I, and everybody listening, if you have got an old phone and you are going to change it, do as Bart said, go and get that battery change because then Apple will dispose of that bat- battery exactly. correctly. Yeah. yeah, and it won't sit in your person that you're handing it down to his drawer in a six months time because it's then failing or then possibly even worse just thrown in the bin to go to landfill and right, the thing is the good. lithium the lithium from those batteries can be reused the battery itself can't but they can extract almost everything of value from that battery and make a whole new battery out of that dead battery that will not be dead so it is way way better that apple have that old battery so that they can be reused yep. Okay, well, I think, unless someone else wants to chime in, I think we have done that one in sufficient detail. This, you know, it was the biggest story of the month. I'm not in any way sorry we spent a long time talking about it, but I, I do believe we are done, unless someone has a final wrap-up point to make. Um, the one thing I would say is I was listening to um, uh, Adam uh, on the Maccast, and he was talking about, uh, obviously, the same subject, um, and he gave a really useful piece of information. If I, I use um, iMazing, mm-hmm. uh, but there are other options out there to find out what the life cycle of your phone is and how you know what sort of health it is. And the the interesting piece of information that he mentioned was that if your phone is over around five hundred life cycles or five hundred cycles, that may be the time that you you know you really should be changing it and you you will be affected by it. So if you're not actually seeing it, but if you're coming close to five hundred, then you may really want to consider getting that battery changed. And the last link in this section of the show notes is to a Mac Observer article entitled Here's How to Monitor Your iPhone Battery Health from Your Phone or Mac. And it links a number of useful tools, including Coconut Battery or Battery Coconut or whatever that thing is called, and also the iMazing app that Adam is so fond of as well. Right, so the last story is unusual for this show because I generally avoid rumours. But I'm a computer nerd by by uh, by profession um, 
And this intersects with my area of expertise, and I've heard an awful lot of very poor analysis about this topic, so I thought it was a rumor worth doing. So what is this rumor? Well, the rumor is that at WWDC this year, Apple are going to announce a new unified framework to allow developers to write apps for the Mac and iOS devices in the same framework, which is currently going by the code name Marzipan. And there's no reason to assume that it will be called Marzipan when it finally hits. It will probably have a boring name like UI Kit or App Kit or something like that. Actually, neither of those two, because they're the two existing frameworks that are not unified. Um, people are assuming that that means that the app will look the same on both platforms. And that is an invalid assumption, and that's the reason I want to talk about this story. Anyone who thinks that what this means is that you're going to have a window on your Mac that ha- that is showing an iPhone s- screen and the identical app is completely missing the point of what these kind of unified frameworks are for. And I will nail the point home by telling you that the same developer framework is used to write Apple Watch apps, Apple TV apps, iPad apps, and iPhone apps. Does a watch app look the same as the telly app? No, they don't. They're written at the same framework. So there is no reason whatsoever to assume that should Project Marzipan be realized as some sort of new development kit, there is no reason to assume that what this is about is having iPhone apps running on your Mac. No reason whatsoever. And that would be a disastrously terrible UI, and Apple know it, which is why when you write for, when you write using UI kit, which is the same framework used for watch, television and phone and ipad it's why they look so different because apple know you need an appropriate interface and an appropriate device so i really just wanted to get that off my chest which is why this is in the show notes so now that i've done that anyone else have any thoughts on on marzipan apart from it's delicious (laughs) (laughs) isn't this just a a kind of a natural extension of what you would expect as as these platforms you know, um, mature and and mature always sounds bad. You know, but as as they evolve, maybe is a better word. Well, Chuck, mature is a great word because today, right? The development kit for the Mac is called AppKit, and everything in AppKit, almost everything in AppKit, starts with the letters NS. So if you the class to represent colors is NS color, the class to represent a button is NS button. And you might say to yourself, NS, what's that got to do with the Mac? Well, the answer is it has nothing to do with the Mac because this this f- framework came to Apple with Steve Jobs from next step, hence the NS all over the place. Mm-hmm. So this is really old stuff that is currently being used to develop Mac apps. And what is used to develop iOS apps for watch, phone, tablet, and TV is something called UIKit, which is extremely similar to AppKit. But it's modernized. And so instead of it being NS color, it's UI color. And instead of it being NS button, it's UI button and so forth. So basically what's being used in iOS is already a modern version of what's on the Mac. And it's quite obvious that the next logical step is to bring the Mac into that updated world so that it's not using the old next step code base anymore, but it's instead using a Mac-friendly version of the newer, more modern iOS framework that is actually based on the Mac framework in terms of its inspiration, but it broke with it. So it basically allowed them to redo all the things they wanted to redo, and now they're bringing that, rumored to be bringing that same redo the other way. So it reminds me a lot of the back to the Mac thing they did for OS X, where they had some great ideas in iOS and brought them back to the Mac. And so now you're having some improvements in the underlying development framework and bringing it back to the Mac. 
And the one final thing to note is that it seems that Apple already have something like this in use because that appears to be how the Photos app was written. It appears to be written in an early version of this framework. One thing, Bart, that I, I think this will also bring, and I, this is pure guesswork because I'm not a coder at all, and the, the, my intelligence on this is probably somewhere down, down the down the level somewhat. But I, I've got a feeling that we're going to see more security from this process as well. Well, right, because that's the thing, that the iOS frameworks are stricter. Yes. It's very hard... You, it's very hard to backport security into an older framework. Whereas yeah. if you can say to a developer, this is new, you are now choosing to use this new thing, and from getting in at the ground floor, here are the rules, you're going to have to rewrite your app anyway, so now is the time to be stricter. So you're dead right, guys. It is the perfect opportunity to tighten down a few things. And like Apple, through the App Store, have been trying to tighten things down by using the App Store rules to enforce more security. But it hasn't gone particularly well or particularly smoothly, and it hasn't made developers particularly happy. This sort of constant, now you have to change this, now you have to change this, now you have to change this. I think a single, here's a unified new set of rules. You're going to have to rewrite all of your Mac apps, but uh, everything you know from iOS you can just take with you. It's probably a, it's probably easier and, on developers to just rip the plaster, rip the bandaid off instead of this drip drip they're getting at the moment. And it's not like they don't have a lot of iOS developers out there. They have a yes, a metric <laughs> bleep ton of iOS developers, more than there are Mac developers. So you're right, it is a good time. And also we have a new language that I think Apple want to drive people towards as well, Swift. So. There's a lot of people rewriting their apps for Swift, so now is actually a really good time to to uh, to change your old Mac app from using Cocoa or whatever and Objective C or AppKit and Objective C to using Swift and Marzipan. Bart, can I point out this? This to me is one of those examples of Apple playing the long game of not trying to yeah. put a Band-Aid on something or trying to do just what's fashionable or cool or even demanded by developers right now, but saying, hey, look, if you invest in this, you're going to get the payback a lot later and and quite possibly a lot bigger because now you're going to be developing for – if this all goes as it, it looks like it's going, you're going to be developing for three devices, at least that we know of, maybe four if you consider the Apple TV too, maybe five if you consider the Apple Watch. Yeah. Um and and not have to do a whole lot of rewriting or you know do app specific coding. So I, I I love this idea and the people who were distressed over it. I just didn't. Once again, I I don't get it. Uh, now I, it doesn't affect me day to day. So if you're one of those that you know you're living hand to mouth uh, based on your on your app programming, yeah, okay, maybe maybe I would understand that. But long game wise, this is I think brilliant. Yes, and Apple have a really strong history of thinking the long game here. So Apple. Apple wrote their own C compiler, which made it possible for them to do all the cool stuff they do in iOS. And that same massive investment is, is useful for this kind of thing. Like Apple have really, at a technical level, been playing the long game. The very invention of the Swift language is Apple playing the long game. Um, and if this is true, this makes perfect sense. Because the way, the way you can think of it is that an app is sort of like the Earth, right? You have a very thin crust on the outside, which is the UI, and on the inside, you have all of the brains, which doesn't directly touch the user at all. So it's like the mantle and the core and all that stuff. And most of your app is inside. It's not the little thin crust on the outside. Most of the app is in the inside. And at the moment, you have to write two insides, a Mac inside and an iOS inside. 
And Apple have sort of made it so that it's easy to change. You know, it's they're similar enough and there's enough similarities between the APIs that it won't take you long to port it over. But really, why make you change it at all? Why not allow you to have one core and as many crusts as you like? An Apple Watch crust, an Apple TV crust, an iPhone crust, an iPad crust, a Mac crust. They can still be completely native crusts, but you haven't had to redo that entire core and mantle of your imaginary planet app. It's a big deal, if it's true. If If I can add one tiny little piece for listeners who are particularly interested in this topic, the Daring Fireball uh, link in the show notes, I found that article particularly interesting. Yes, and John, John Gruber is a coder and a very insightful person. This story is so, so, so up his alley. You're absolutely right. In fact, it's linked in the show notes, the right. Fireball coverage, right. because I was very impressed with John's analysis. And there is a pitfall here, which is if the API is not well written, it may result in poor Mac apps. That's by no means a guarantee, right? The concept does not mean the Mac apps will be good or bad. It entirely comes down to Apple's execution. If Apple do a good job of bringing of porting this framework over to the Mac so that you get to make really good Mac apps, then this is going to be the best thing ever. If Apple do a terrible job where all of a sudden drag and drop isn't properly supported or whatever, and the, the apps made with marzipan don't behave like Mac apps, then Apple will have done a terrible job of this great idea. It's still a great, even no matter how terrible a job Apple do, this is a great idea. Let's just hope they do it as well as the idea deserves. As I say, it's all rumours, so this could be a great big discussion about nothing, but we shall see. Uh, unless anyone else would like to chime in, I am going to wrap up the main stories. Okay, so before we wrap up the show itself, just a few quick stories to rattle through. Um, just a little FYI to people in the United States, Gym Kit is now available. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> I didn't mention winter colds, didn't I? Um... I don't know how popular this is because I the only gym I ever see is one at a university and the equipment is not precisely known for its newness. So even if gym kit was available, we probably wouldn't see it for a decade in here. Um, does anyone on the panel think this is going to be something people meet a lot in day-to-day life? I, I may be... Um, I wouldn't say that a lot of people will meet it in day-to-day life, but I do think I may be fortunate enough here in Silicon Valley to work out at a place where this will be available. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I do, uh, you know, I do have the Apple watch and I would, and I do work out someplace. So yeah, hopefully I'll get some real experience on it. And for listeners who are wondering what a gym kit is, the idea is that assuming the equipment in the gym has support for gym kit, you would basically use the NFC feature of your watch or your phone to tap on to the piece of gym equipment, and it would then send its metrics into the workouts app and so that the gym equipment can tell you how many calories you're burning, and it will all get properly recorded in Apple Health and in your activity tracker, and you'll get your credit for it if you're tracking your calories in um, MyFitnessPal or whatever. And it will just... it Basically, it will allow the gym equipment to send more accurate calorie burn information to Apple Health. And that is cool if you're into that kind of thing. But it involves the gym equipment supporting the API. And I think it may take some time. Can't be a bad thing, though. 
the other thing that is rolling out is Apple's TV app is now available in three more countries. The United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, France and Germany. Gaz, do you have an Apple TV? I do, yes. Is it a fourth generation one that can make use of this new feature? It is. Um, now, hang on, let's get this right. Um, that The fourth generation isn't the latest generation, is it? Okay. I think it is. It is, isn't as it? far as I know, yeah. So the fourth generation uh, is the one that can run apps. The third generation is still being sold uh, today, right. but you can't install okay. apps. All right. So I can, yes, yes, in that case, yes, it is, because I can use apps on it. So it must be a fourth generation. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. So is this I, something that interests I dis- you? I dislike this app completely. Oh. <laughs> I have tried wow. using this app on my um, on my iPad. Okay. Um, I have had a look at it on, um, on the Apple TV, and it really doesn't do enough of what I want it to do. So from a personal perspective, I totally dislike it, and I'll go into BBC iPlayer... Uh, ITV and iTunes and Netflix separate apps. I just, I just don't. I've tried to use this app, and it really doesn't do what I need it to do. So disappointing um, because I think I want this. It's not available in Ireland, so it's completely hypothetical. But I think I want this. But maybe I'm I've heard onto the app what I wanted to do instead of what it will do. Yeah, well, I've heard, I've heard other people who've used it and says it does exactly what I need it to do. So maybe I've got a, a particularly unusual or particularly awkward way of using uh, and going through um, the TV and using TV on the Apple. Because I do use the Apple TV a lot. I hear a lot of people who've got Apple TVs, and but we are constantly um, – I've got my pictures going through it. So when it's in idle mode, all of our pictures come up and scroll through those. And then when we, when we watch TV, I would say now a good 65 or 70 percent possibly of our TV watching is done through the Apple TV. So I thought this is fantastic. And I, I've tried it and thought, really, what is everybody going on about? So I'm I'm a little disappointed in it, but it may be because of our use. Okay, very quickly, uh, our American uh, panelists who have the opportunity to use this app for a bit longer, are you guys happy, sad, don't care? Um, the little bit I've used it, it's it's been fine. I'm not a huge TV watcher. Um, I tend to use my Apple TV for sending things through it from my iPad or my iPhone. So. Um, it's it's been fine, you know. The, the couple of times I've played with it, I've I've just not a big it, part it, of your it, life. Yeah, it, it's it's not. But the things that I have played with, um, they've worked as advertised. Okay. And Linda, are you a user at all? I'm I'm not a television watcher. We we actually have the Apple TV, but we just <laughs> we never get around to watching television. So. Um, I'm of no help here. So, right. so what I what I promised to do, Bart, is what yeah. you promised um, Alison to do, and see if I can use it more to see if it, I'm missing something. <laughs> Sounds like well, next time around, Gaza, I will follow up with you. Hopefully, okay, I'll get a chance to join in here in Ireland because the Apple TV is literally the only device connected to our television. It, there is only one lead that goes into our television and it is from the Apple TV. Everything we see on that screen comes through that device. And I would love this app to pull in content from all the different sources available to us. Yeah. But again, the, it's, the, not a, it's not available here. So for me, this it's this, it's this magical unicorn, which is perfect. Uh, reality is probably different. 
Yeah. The reason I was confused about the, the model number is because obviously there's a 4K Apple TV available, isn't there? There is, which is the a sort of a 4.1 generation, I guess. Yes, yes. That's that's where I was. My mind suddenly went into meltdown as to which version I'd got then. So, yeah. Okay. Um, also, just to say that Apple have updated the iOS App Store with some new functionality and guidelines. Pre-orders are now a thing which developers can offer. Apple have eased up on their recently tightened rules on so-called template-based apps, which is kind of a good thing in my humble opinion, because with my work hat on, I needed I need one of these, and I was very worried Apple had tightened things up to the point that we couldn't have one, and now they've loosened it up again to the point we could, if I can get the budget. Anyway, um, Apple have also cracked down on so-called loot boxes in games, which, as someone who is very cranky about abuses of in-app purchases, I am happy about that. And finally, Apple have decided to waive the iOS developer fee for governments and non-profits, which, again, no bad thing. Uh, just to say that Apple Maps continues to improve. There are now indoor maps in 30 additional airports, which can only be a good thing. And finally, save the date. Apple's Q1 2018 earnings call will be on the 1st of February, which means we'll probably be discussing it in the next show. I hope you're free, Linda. I love having you on when Apple have one of these things. And I will do my best. The shareholder meeting, where I would also like your opinion, is on the 13th of February. So that will be the show after next. Um, so maybe, maybe I'd like to have you for the next two shows, please. I'm being very demanding I, I, now, am I? Um, no, no. I, I, I enjoy discussing these, you know, the, the, the business stuff. You know I do. So I, that would be fine. I will do my best to – oh, oh huh, I may have a problem with the second one, but I will do take care of that offline. Yeah, exactly. As I say, I'm, I'm, I'm chancing my arm here. Um, but these two – save the dates make me think of you because they are exactly the kind of thing i value your opinion on so even if i can't have you as a panelist i will probably exchange a few emails with you and pick your brains directly or indirectly because i definitely want to know what you think before i speak into the microphone that way i won't sound like an idiot i am i I am well and i am hopeful the apple shareholder meeting is set to to happen uh at the steve jobs theater in the in the ring so I am hopeful that I will be able to get a spot. I know how to get a spot. I just have to uh, be lucky, I guess. So I'm hopeful to uh, be there in person um, in that facility. So we'll see what happens. Oh, that would be really cool. If that happens, yeah. I definitely want to have you on just to talk about the new campus from someone who's actually you know, physically been there. So fingers crossed. I hope that uh, works out for you. We, we have been to the visitor center. Uh, which was which was really very nice, very beautiful. Um, so uh, I, I will say that. But I, I want to be inside the theater. I think that would be awesome. Yes, yes, it would. I totally agree. Okay, yeah. panel. Thank you ever so much for a very fun discussion and for being so generous with your time. Um, let me see. Uh, before we get the introduction from the panel, just to say to the listeners, there will be show notes at lets-talk.ie, basically links to all of the stories that have informed my thinking of the news over the past month. Uh, while you're there, there are three or there are many large blue buttons under the heading support the show. Thank you extremely much to those of you who did so. A lot of a lot of listeners took the time over the holiday season to do a one-off donation and to write me a little note saying, Merry Christmas, thanks very much for your your year's work. You know who you are because you wrote to me and I wrote back to you. I just want to say an extra big thank you to you guys. I had completely no expectation that that would happen in December, and it did, and it made my Christmas very, very nice indeed. So thank you very much to you guys who took that special Christmas effort. It is much appreciated. 
Uh, also, a big thank you to our Patreon supporters who stuck in there, despite the fact that Patreon almost blew themselves up in December. Um, they basically almost completely destroyed the point of Patreon, but thankfully saw sense literally with 24 hours to go before the deadline. Um, to those of you who altered your pledges in preparation for them committing Harry Carry, you please alter them back. The danger has passed for now. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but if anyone knows of any competitors or alternatives, um, let me know because I'm sort of thinking maybe I want to diversify. Maybe I've put too many eggs into this one basket and this basket isn't nearly as dirty as I thought it was. Um, but anyway, those of you who do support the show on Patreon, it still exists, it still works, it is still a vital way to keep this show running. And I really, really appreciate all of you who support me on Patreon. So thank you very much indeed. Uh, everyone else who supports in any other way, be that telling your friends, leaving a review on iTunes, using some of the affiliate links, it is all appreciated, it all helps, and uh, thank you all very much to everyone who has in any way helped out whatsoever for the entirety of 2017. Thank you. With that, let us introduce the panel in reverse order. Linda, where would you like to tell people where they can find you online? Um, I guess the best place is Twitter, which would be LLG the number four and C D G. Um, and also for what it's worth, uh, Silicon Valley Mac user group is where I put a lot of my efforts. So Do that's you want to my, give a link my... to that because I think that's, it. I well, love the existence of Mac believe... user group. So I'd you know, plug away. So I believe it's S, uh, it would be Silicon Valley Mac user group, the acronym, which was S V M U G, ah. um, at .org. I, believe although dot com might also work but it's dot org i'm pretty sure silicon valley mac user group dot org let me see what safari makes yeah. of that well that works so there we go that is that is definitely a working url svgmog.org very good okay uh gaz um one of our fellow my mac podcasting network podcasts so do, do you want to give people any links Yes, you can catch me. Oh, a oh, quick update. It's now clouded over. Oh, no. Uh, I hope it unclouds over very quickly. <laughs> so do I. Um, <laughs> uh, you can catch me on the Twitters, twitter.com forward slash gazmaz, G-A-Z-M-A-Z. Bart knows why I'm saying that. And the next episode, uh, which is the sum of consecutive prime numbers, 227, 229, 233, and also uh, the, the sum of the primes, 83 to 109, on the mymac.com podcast. That is a lot of maths nerdery in one sentence, guys. I am mightily <laughs> impressed. I know. Surprised myself. Uh, you, you, you never know what you're going to get with the My Mac podcast, but generally speaking, you will always have some good entertainment and a good laugh. Um, so, you know, check them out, folks. Chuck, you are the producer of many, 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 many fine uh, Mac productions. And for every now and then, you even have my ugly face on your shows. So do you want to tell listeners where they can find your work? Absolutely. But first, I want to, Gaz, maybe if you got a big fan and went outside and aimed it up, that would help. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, we're in the um, middle of Storm Eleanor here, so there's plenty of wind. No shortage ah, of okay. All right. No, you can find uh, pretty much everything I do at MacVoices.com. Um, audio, video, a uh, little bit of everything. And, of course, we have a Facebook group that I'd love to have you visit as well because there's some interesting things going on there as well. And on Twitter, I'm at Chuck Joyner. Now, I'm going to give one of your shows a bit of a plug, Chuck. So if people got money for Christmas and are wondering what cool gadgets to buy for themselves now that you're finished buying for other people, Chuck does a really fun thing every sort of holiday season where he has uh, 
techie people come on and recommend cool tech gifts, and sometimes he even lets me come on and spout my wisdom for what it's worth. But they're a great way to spend any, you know, envelopes that you got from friends or whatever, any vouchers you got, you know. Basically, Chuck has lots of cool, nerdy people tell you cool, nerdy things to buy, so definitely check those out. And I will say, Bart, that don't don't necessarily think that you know what everybody's going to recommend because some of those panels come some with some of the most off the wall things that I've ever heard and I, and they but the other bad news is they're guaranteed to cost you money because inevitably once you hear about these things you know that you can't live without them well, this is the thing, Chuck. So when you have me on, A, I do my best to stump you and to, to, to make you go, what the? And I usually manage to find one or two things that make you go, what the? But also, I always end up spending money by being a panelist on your show because another yep. panelist will tell me something spectacularly cool. Um, well, think 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 about my position. I've got multiple panels and they're all costing <laughs> me money. So, so. <laughs> You better hope the listeners and sponsors are good to you in December because you're bringing it on yourself, Chuck. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Thanks for having me, Bart. Oh, my absolute pleasure, Chuck. So that's macvoices.com. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Five, four, three, two, one. And we are go. Go? Wait. Go where? The commercial, Guy. We're recording a commercial for the MyMac.com podcast. Ah, so we're recording the podcast now. Well, no, not now. At the moment, we're recording this commercial. So when do we go? Go where? I don't know. You started this whole go thing. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. We have no idea what we'll say next.